0: from the island of Trinidad and Tobago <laughs> and the Bahamas <laughs> <All right? laughs> and the Bahamas anyway, um, I think the first thing I need to do before I go any further is to take the opportunity to say thank you to the folks, the pastors, firstly of um, Community and Faith Baptist Church for not just the fellowship but for them making it possible, along with their members, for us to be here. Now, I say that on behalf of myself and the other guys. Um, if not for you all, well, I don't think I would have been here. Um, this is my first time coming to the States, and I can safely say to you all, um, I've, when I go back, I'm changing. I'm going to become a sun worshipper, <laughs> because I can, my hands are cold, my feet... Still cool from the day that I came. It's not warming up at all. I don't know why. Anyway, um, well, since I've been a wrong pastor, Carl Natrum, he has been a real blessing to me. Um, he has extended a hand of fellowship. He has been like a, a spiritual father to me, and um, that has been good in a sense. And that has been bad because no other pastors on the island, or very little of them, have any close fellowship with me even because of that, even because of my fellowship with him and what they think about him. Yet still, he has shown me more Christ-likeness than anyone else. And I believe because of that, God has allowed me to, you know, be influenced by him. And um, I thank him, his wife, his church uh, for doing so. And um, I've been going to Barbados for a few years now and other islands in this, what is called, Young Preachers Conference. I'm 44. I don't know how I got in there, but young in the ministry, I guess, is what it means. Anyway, he makes fun of me all the time. So I'm going to take front, as we say in Trinidad. I'm going to make fun of me so that you all can't make fun of me after, right? He makes fun of me because of my surname, my title. It's Gopi. Go-P? Well... Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, you all probably don't know this, but the Indians from India, who are my forefathers, four generations back, they came to Trinidad as indentured labourers. Well, it was really slaves, but they call themselves or themselves indentured labourers. And it seems as though when they came, um, they had to give their names to have proper documents and so on. And it seems as though when my, um, my grandfather got to the front of the line and they were taking names, he says, can I go pee? <laughs> and the rest, and the rest is history. <laughs> All right, anyway. Anyway, um, a little bit about myself. You know, much was said in the nights leading up to tonight about my testimony. Um, it, it was presented as though it's so special. Um, I don't think so. If, if, if there's anything special, is the God. It's not me. He's, he's the one in all of this that is special. He's the one that I hope you see even in my testimony tonight. Um, at the age of 16, I, my parents separated, and I got involved in an apprenticeship program with the electricity company back home. There's only one, and it was a five-year program. During that time, I would have to stay in a, in a boarding house in the capital of Trinidad and Tobago, because I lived in the center of the island. And because it was a little bit inconvenient to get there on time every day and get back home in the night after night classes, they arranged the facilities for guys and girls living far because we had women train with us also. Anyway, during that time, coming from a broken home, my mother left home with my sister and my brother. I was the only one left back. And um, my brother was about... He was a baby. My sister is a year older than I am, so she would have been about 17. My father was an alcoholic. My father was unfaithful to my mother. He was an, involved in an adulterous relationship. And uh, when she left, I felt my whole world just fall apart day and then. Let me say this before I go any further. Almost every time, in fact, every time I've done this before, I could not help myself but cry. Tonight I'm going to try really hard. Really, really had. Um, Anyway, they left, and there am I trying to figure out what's really going on in life, trying to make sense of life. And you all may have done it before. When life gets hard, you start asking if there is a God. Because if there is a God, he wouldn't allow me to go through this suffering, this loneliness, this rejection, because everybody's gone. My father is not even there. Um, He left the house. He's moved in with the woman that he was seeing but he has to pass in front of our house to get to work. And he would not stop at the house. I was there alone. He didn't stop to give money. Whatever food was there when my mother left, um, after I used it out, that basically was the end. And I reached away the milk, the baby's milk that was left. I would drink the baby's milk with cold water. That, that was my meal for a few days until it ended. But my neighbors, they recognize that my mother is not there. They recognize my father is not stopping at home. They recognize I'm there. And they would, in a very tactful way, invite me over. And that's when they will get the opportunity to feed me. Because I'm 16 years old, nobody's there. They know that I am in need. Anyway, during the time that I was in the capital, and I guess it's the same even in the US, the capital offers everything a 16-year-old boy away from home. Um, Anything you want to try, you could try, and I'm there with 23 other guys, some of them drug users and so on. I got involved in smoking marijuana, drinking alcohol, gambling, going to all these brothels. I, I did it all. I did it all. And I started to get... I started to rebel because of what was taking place in my life. I was lashing out at the, the people that didn't seem to care about me. Anyway, um, not only feeling unloved, but I started to hate myself because of the life that I was living. I know that even though um, I was not saved, I know that this was the wrong way to live. By the way, I came from a Hindu home and I know what it is to to worship a stone. I was joking about the sun worship when I go back home, right? But I, I would pray to a stone. There was a stone embedded in, in our um, yard at the side of the house and we would go there and you all know they offer like milk and water and so on. Some of you may be familiar with that. Some may not. That was part of what I grew up knowing and doing. Anyway, um, I ended up, been employed after the five years with the company. And this is when the alcohol really took over. By 7 a.m. every day, I was already intoxicated. And I would work on the trucks and on the pools, drunk. And um, one day, while it was very hot, now the islands are hot all the time, right? It was extremely hot, we were working outside doing some very hard work. And when we came back in, um, there was the administrative building and offices in there where if you wanna go and pay a bill or so, that's where you go. But there was this young lady that worked there. When I went inside, I just went in there to sit and cool off. And there were no uh, customers and she looked at me and she called me over. So I went across and sat next to her desk, and she started asking me about myself a little bit, and even though I worked there for three and a half years, or it wasn't three and a half years as yet, but almost three years, we would just say good morning to each other. We never had any relationship or anything of the sort. Anyway, um, it didn't take long before she started to ask me about my feet, and I, I told her the little that I... I did what I did, but I didn't know what I was doing, nor did I know anything about it. And um, have you all ever heard about Sai Baba? Anybody's familiar with that name? Well, Brother Good, because he worked in Trinidad. Sai Baba is... Oh, anyway. um, This is basically... what i shared anyway without hesitation she invited me to come out the church service so i said okay no harm in coming out to church and i went there and for the first time i heard a message on the body being the temple of god this body being the temple of god not the place that we go to and i was desecrating this if this was the temple of god anyway when the service was over, I asked, is it possible to come back? And you know if you invite someone to church and they want to come back, that's what you live for, right? And everyone said yes, so I said okay. And, I, and that was on Easter Sunday. By the next Sunday, even though I got saved months after, immediately alcohol was gone. Until now, that's 20 years. God just took it away Immediately. Um, But despite that, that didn't mean that everything in my life changed because I still wasn't saved at this point. Uh, I had a desire to learn more and know more about this God that they were speaking about because he surely wasn't the God that I knew. And even though I tried all the things that I tried, none of them I knew, none of them satisfied no amount of alcohol will ever satisfy you. No amount of drugs, no matter what, no amount of women, men, whatever, whoever, nothing will satisfy you until you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's a void that God created us with. and Unless he himself fills that void, you will always be empty. So, a little while after, some months down the line, months Pastor Natrum came to Trinidad to preach at another church. And the churches will invite each other whenever there's a crusade or something like that. It was an evangelistic type meeting. And every night after work, I would attend those meetings. With the same young lady, she would would ensure that other church members would come so that she's not the only female with me there. And we would go out to these services. And from the first night he preached and an invitation was given... God was just drawing, drawing me to him. But I would resist, I would resist, I would resist. I would hold on to the chairs. I, I One foot would go forward, honest to God, one foot would go forward, but the other one just would fight it back. And then on the Friday night, the last night of the meeting, just like tonight, that last invitation was given. And I was there and I was about to cry. I was broken but I still just would not respond. And the meeting came to a close, and I heard, I, I can't recall if he said this or someone else said it. They said, the invitation or the service might be over, but the invitation to receive Christ is always open. Well, it's still open in a manner of speaking. Now I can say that. There will come a time it will <laughs> close, but it's still open. And I walked outside in the car park and there was the, the pastor of the church which Pastor Carl was preaching at. And I walked up to him and I said, Pastor, the Lord spoke to me. I'm that man that I heard about this entire week. I'm that, I'm guilty of all, all counts. And he looked at me with a smile on his face and I said, I want to be saved. And he opened his Bible and he started to go through some scriptures with me and led me to the place that I prayed and I asked the Lord to save me. That's the night that I got saved. Um, Pastor and I would not see or have any, any dealings for the next, God alone knows, about 10 years. And then we, after that period, got into fellowship once again. And that's why I said, he, he's not God in my life, but he's special. <laughs> Um, And he has tried as much as I guess a man can try to help you, and I appreciate that a lot. Um, I hope one day I could do the same for some young man who is seeking after the Lord. But I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to do that. I'll mislead him still. (laughs) So I I want to get there. (laughs) Well, I'll lead him along the correct path, all right? And that's why I'm here. I'm here, even though I, I was invited, you all, I'm seeking to be mentored, That's my request if I have to say something. And then I'll be in a better position to mentor others. I pastor a church, and I'll be honest with you all, if I am who I am, that tells me where the church is, or at least that group of people. And I know that God requires more, not just of me, but of them. And I hope to be able to bring them to that place. That's what I've been called to do. God makes no mistakes. I would have said that he made a mistake, but he made no mistakes. And therefore... I'm here because this is what he wants, and I have to get up to speed. Let's put it that way. All right, so I got saved, and this was, I think, in the month of May, 1997, and I got married to this same young lady that invited me out to church. She's today my wife. Her name is Grace. Um. We got married on the 19th of October, and on the 19th of October this year, we will celebrate our 19th anniversary. Uh, I got married on January 16th, 1998, five past 10 in the morning, while on one of our jobs, I got involved in an accident. where While working on a double circuit transmission line, one side, Thirty-three thousand volts one time, one side sixty-six thousand volts. The normal procedure you would turn the both of them off, but because the sixty-six kV line was supporting the international airport back at home, the senior engineer on the job said, "We'll not turn it off." So this is not the normal procedure, and we started earthing the thirty-three. KV line or three thousand volt line after it was turned off. Even though you turn it off, you have to discharge each one of the lines before you could handle them. If anybody is familiar with electricity, you would know that. And how it was done is to connect a, a rod into the ground, drive a rod into the ground, and connect from there up to each one of the phases. Let me use my fingers as an example. It will come up and connect here, and then you will jump up from here to here, and then from here to here. This is how you would safely discharge the line and then start work. The first one was done, but this earth conductor that came from this phase all the way down to the ground was all around the work area. And our foreman instructed myself and another gentleman to secure these wires. And because it is steel reinforced, if you, let's say if you make it into a coil, you can't just let it go, it will just go all over the place. Someone, the other guy, was walking towards me with pieces of wires about the length of my hands to just tie and secure secure this. And um, as he made his way towards me, the guy on the pool was actually continuing working, and his job was to just jumper these two conductors. And instead, he went from the the bottom phase across to the live sixty six kV side while I was standing and in this position, and holding on to the wires. With all the safety equipment required, it burned through everything, through the boots, through my gloves. I went unconscious, and the next time my feet would touch the ground was four months later. Now, everything is primitive back home in terms of medical treatment. So I had like seven surgeries, seven skin grafts, all unsuccessful on my foot. And a year and nine months later, I would now be going to England to have... um, another type of procedure done to remake my left foot. And um, you can't see it, You probably just my thumb if you see me up close, but you can't tell that I've been burnt both hands, both feet. Anyway, I became a pensioner with the company. And for the next seven years, I was going through a slow recovery. And during that time, the pastor of the church would take me with him to do whatever he was doing. Let's go to a funeral service. I'm there. Let's go to a Thanksgiving service. I'm there. Let's go to to pray for someone at the hospital. I'm there. And this, I did not know, was my hands-on training for ministry. I didn't know the word, or as much of the word that I should have been exposed to, but I was seeing what it is to minister to people in need. And eventually the Lord... I believe, place a, a call upon my life to, to preach his word. It's not something that I desired. It is something that, while preparing a passage from Joshua chapter 1, God spoke to me when he said to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead, arise and go over this Jordan. That took meaning in my life that God was getting ready to do something with this man of God and to do something with me. And For three days, brother, I don't know the significance in this, but for three days and three nights, I did not sleep. The only thought that consumed me is, Lord, me? You want me to do this? And I struggled with it, but I believe I said yes to it. I said, yes, Lord, if this is what you wanted and I started attending classes. Brother Guth was one of the gentlemen who would, would teach me. Um, and I know that the scripture says, study to show thyself approved unto God. We need that approval upon our lives, God's approval. And I'm still seeking that. So Brother Guth and other missionaries, my pastor to some degree, and me trying on my own to... Learn what I could learn so that I could do this, what God is calling me to do. Um, I just went ahead. And uh, as I said, things started to turn kind of negative for me in my relationship with other ministers of the gospel for a lot of reasons. They would go behind my back and they would say among themselves things that were negative And none of them would come to me and say, this is what's happening. Let me try to help you. Or you're going the wrong way and you need help. Or maybe you, you don't see this. Let me point this out to you. None of them did that. And then I met with some, a few people who, that's what they were doing and that's, where, that's what I needed. And um, today, so many years later, I still feel the exact same way. Honestly, I feel the same way. God continues to use me because it surely ain't me and I thank the Lord for, for who He is. Because if He's able to use me, the way I see it, <laughs> there's so much more He could do with you all. And um, anyway, I after seven years I went back out to work and I started because it was difficult to stay on my foot a, a long time. I said, let me go and try a, a job which involves something easy on the foot. There was a driving vacancy, and I said, okay, I'll try it because I'm sitting when I'm driving. I did it. I said I'll do it for a year. I went on for seven years. And the next thing you know, five out of the seven, I was wrestling with God because I believed that he wanted me to get out of there and commit myself to these people and doing what he wanted me to do. Now it made no sense to me. It still doesn't make sense to me. Here I am with a wife and three kids. And I believe the Lord is saying to me, walk away from your job. I worked for $3,898.00. TT Divide that by 6.7, and it becomes U.S. And I'm saying, Lord, the money is done it's so small. How am I going to support myself and the family more than, more than myself? I told my wife what was taking place, and we prayed and prayed and prayed, and I was afraid to take a step. And I want to say this. I see the importance of taking a step of faith, but on the word of God. Not how I felt. And I was reading in the the New Testament about the life of Peter when Peter saw the Lord walking on water and he said, Lord, if it's you, if thou bids me to come. If it be you, bids me to come. And uh, I'm saying, Lord, I'm in a place where now my life is kind of like Peter. Where what is required of me is that I walk on water and I can't. But if this is what You desire and and you call me, I know that I will be able to be supported even on the water. And with much prayer and much consideration, I wrote a, a resignation letter. My wife said to me before I handed it in, she says, if you are sure that this is what God wants, go ahead and do it. You have nothing to worry about or fear. Folks, it wasn't easy. Hearing me say it might make it sound like it was easy. It was not easy. And I walked away. And I left on a Friday, and from Friday to Monday, I just worried. My blood pressure probably went as high as it could go without you dying. My blood sugar probably was right about there. And I'm just fretting and worried and bothered and everything else and my wife on monday morning when i get up this is what is my thoughts lord this is the start of the new month how in the world am i going to take care of my family and my wife says to me let's go to the mall because you said that god has called you into ministry to preach the word and if he has done so you need to prepare you need some new shirts You probably need a new tie and things like these. And I'm saying, woman, are you crazy? (laughs) The little money that we have in savings, you want me to spend it? And she says, that is what is called fate. And as I told Brother Tracy, I walked or I stepped by her feet that morning. That had nothing to do with my feet, because I didn't believe. Honestly, I did not believe that. I just did what she said. I go to the mall and I'm still worried. And while we're there, there was this gentleman that I met once before doing a safety presentation. Since my accident, I've been given the opportunity to share with people about my accident, to help them in companies prevent such a situation and to let them know how I recovered from this because there is a way to to get out of it. And um, I did one where where I met him for like a minute we spoke for like a minute and he's a businessman anyway he walks out of the corridor in the direction that I'm on I'm in and he's on his phone and he he's looking at me and I'm looking at him I know I I recognize the face and I'm thinking he thinks the same but I can't remember where I met him and then he comes off the phone and he says but I know you and I said well I know you no sooner my wife comes out and when we we both thought for a little while, and then we remembered where it was. He says, well, why not come and join me upstairs at the mall in the food court? And I said, well, we just had breakfast. He said, well, come and have a drink, coffee, soft drink, anything. So he invited my wife and I, and we, we, we joined him. And we spoke to each other. He's also a believer. We found out a little bit about him. He found out a little bit about us. And as the conversation has come to the end about 45 minutes later... He picks up his, his phone again and he calls his wife and he says, his wife works for him. Did you call so-and-so? Did you do what I asked you to do? Did you write the checks for whoever? And then he looks across the table and he says, while he's on the phone with his wife, he says, what's your name? What's your correct name? So I told him Richard Gopi. I said, well, Richard is Richard. G-O-P-I-E. He says, write me a check for $5,000. This is like one hour After we get to the mall, God gives me more than I work for in an instant. And that was the beginning of me taking a step of faith. And today I'm here only by faith. Only by faith. I may not even be able to explain to you what faith is biblically, but it worked for me. I can definitely tell you that. And since then... I've had a second opportunity, where I went to another company, it's called Atlantic LNG. And it's one of the bigger um, oil uh, companies back home. I did a presentation there, and I'm dining with the people when it's over. A man comes up to me and he gives me an envelope. And he says, you know, I've been to so many of these, but yours, there's something different about yours. And he gives me the envelope and I put it in my pocket. I'm speaking to a schoolmate of mine who who works with the company, and as I go towards my vehicle, I said, let me see what this man gave me here. I pull it out, I open the envelope, a check for $5,000 again. And while I'm driving my vehicle home, minutes after this, receiving this check, someone sends me a text on my phone. Can you give me your bank account number? So when I saw that, I know it had to be a mistake. So when I get into some heavy traffic, I take the phone out and I call the number and I said, my name is so-and-so and I think you're making a mistake because I don't know your number and hearing your voice, I don't know who you are also. The gentleman asked me, he says, did you just speak at a conference, a safety seminar rather, at Atlantic LNG? I said, yes. He says, well, I was sitting there. And I just feel the Lord would have me do something for you. Can you give me a bank account number? The next thing you know, he gives me $1,000. Folks, I don't know how I survive. It's been rough. It's been Don't, don't think that I just walk around people giving me $5,000, right? It's been rough. There are days, and I explained this to them, there were days that we came down to where we, we love curry, we love spicy food, so we always have a lot of seasoning in our house. And there were days that we came down to that's all that we had. Nothing to curry, nothing to season, but we had the curry and the season. There was this Saturday morning um, in particular that we, we went to sleep knowing that. My wife and I wouldn't discuss this with the children, but we would speak about it. And when I got up on Saturday morning, before six, they were all asleep. And I said, Lord, this is my thought. I have a vehicle. And it has gas in the tank. Let me go out on the streets and work taxi. That's how we would drive and do what a taxi driver would do. Even though my vehicle is not designed for that. It's not carrying the right plates for that. And I had a shower. I changed. I prayed. And I normally walk out. Let's say I would walk out this door, our garage door. I decided to go through the front door, which I never do. That night we left our gate open, which we never do. And our dog will always bark if someone comes in the yard and the dog didn't bark that night. And as I opened the front door, I saw two market bags filled with vegetables, fruits, meat, eggs, cheese. So I called my in-laws, they live directly opposite where I live. And I said, did you all put something in the front porch? They knew nothing about what I was saying. They said no. So I'm asking, I'm wondering, I don't know, but enough food to last us. Now we eat very different from you all. What you all do in a day lasts us a week. I'm serious about that. I no I'm not I'm not saying that you all are greedy, I'm just saying that it's not it's not it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not as affordable to have food in such large quantities and um, it fed us for more than a week and that's five of us and um, I stood up in church just as I'm standing here to share with the people the testimony of how God provided this and one of the members in the church who was responsible for doing it a few days later he confessed it was him And he says he would normally go to the market every Saturday. He never did this for me before. He said every Saturday he would go to the market at 6 a.m. And he would buy stuff for his home. And um, this particular Saturday he bought everything and he came to his car. And he says as he was making his way to the car, it is as though he was feeling compelled. He can't explain it to go back and buy the exact same things that he bought. And he said, but this doesn't make sense. He reached, put the stuff in his car, opened the door to to jump in to drive. And he says it was so compelling that he just closed the door and went back into the market to the same vendors. And he says, just give me back what you just gave me a little while ago. He came, he put it in his vehicle and he started to drive towards home. And he's saying, Lord, what do I do with this? I don't know why I did it to begin with. And I don't know what to do with it. And he says, when he reached our corner, he just turned in, he came to the gate the gate was open, the dog knows him, so the dog did not back, and he just placed it there. And God has miraculously, every single time taken care of us. And I've said all of that as I know it's long, but I just want to share this scripture, Pastor, I wouldn't take an offering, but I just want to share this. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, it's just part of Galatians one. It's just part of Galatians 1. As I, as I said to you all, I was someone who if someone, someone tried to witness to me in the earlier years, I would curse them. Nobody could have told me about Jesus. And the same mouth proclaims that now he is Lord. Um, Paul says it like this. For, but, uh, Galatians 1.11 But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how how beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above my equals, in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my fathers. But when it pleased God, this is what I want you to get. But when, I, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb. And called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. That I might preach him among the heathens. I'm not worthy. And God, tonight you did me well. I didn't cry. I'm not worthy. I still am not worthy. I will never be worthy. But I thank the Lord for counting me faithful and putting me into the ministry to do the little that I can. But he's a big God. He does big, Mm -hmm. big, big things through little, little people like me. And that's basically, in a nutshell, my testimony. I uh, pastor the Chinchin Baptist Church. Uh, We have three kids. The eldest is 18. Uh, The second is 12. And my daughter, whose birthday was yesterday, uh, she turned 11. Um, And I have the best wife in the world. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.